0: Person like me and called me to proclaim his name to the ends of the earth Beloved I am the utmost Example of the utter kindness and goodness of God if I can stand up here and he can take my weak words and anoint them with his power He can use anybody Anybody Isn't that just like God to take the weakest of the weakest and make them glorious in his sight That's your story. That's my story. Well, I want you to stand up with me. I want you to open up your Bibles to Psalm 24. We have some serious business to attend to tonight. It's very important for your generation that you hear the Word of God for your generation. Beloved, you need to know this that we are at the beginning of a transition in human history unlike any other transition that has ever come. And you need to hear the Word of the Lord. It's not enough for you to just have a good Bible study. I want to tell you this, you must hear God's Word for your generation. It's the rarest thing for a generation to actually hear what God is saying to their generation. You know the famous saying, if we've learned anything from history, it's this, we've learned nothing from history. And each generation, seems to have the most difficulty in hearing God's Word for their generation. It's important that you not just quote a Bible verse, but you understand God's Word in context to God's Word being spoken to your generation. Because if Isaiah would have stood up and prophesied in the days of Jeremiah, he would have been a false prophet. If Jeremiah would have stood up and prophesied in the days of Isaiah, he would have been a false prophet. You say, what do you mean, Alan? Precisely this. In the days of Isaiah, Isaiah said to King Hezekiah, do not fear, for when the Assyrian um, army comes against you, God will deliver this city, and people fled to Jerusalem for protection. Beloved, Jeremiah's message was exactly opposite. If you stay in this city, the king of Babylon will come against you and he will destroy you and a third of you will die by hunger and famine and another third by the sword. You see, if Jeremiah would have stood up in Isaiah's day and said, flee the city, they would have been in trouble. And if Isaiah would have stood up in Jeremiah's day and said, run to the city, he would have been a false prophet. So it's not enough for you to quote a Bible verse. You have to be able to quote the Bible verse in context to what the Spirit is saying to the churches. And over and over, at the beginning of the book of Revelation, Jesus speaks to the seven churches of Asia Minor and this is the repeated saying, let him who has ears hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. You must hear for your generation. You are growing up in the most glorious generation in human history. The one that I believe that will usher in the second coming of our Lord and Messiah Jesus. I believe that will be you. But in the midst of that glorious generation, it will be vital that you hear God's Word. Beloved, because it will be a matter of life or death for you. It will be a matter of of life or death for you to hear what God is saying and for you to cooperate with Him because we are transitioning into the greatest age that you can't even imagine yet. The day when God comes to earth and stays. Beloved, that's good news, but you must hear. So before we begin tonight, I want to inform you that it's been prophesied over this building... That God will begin a revival from this very building that will send forth a wave of revival that will prepare the church at the end of the age for the return of Jesus. It's been prophesied over this building. God has spoken. In other words, there are appointed lands for God's purposes in the end times. And beloved, this is one. We're gathered here tonight this is historic in the eyes of God. We don't know when the day will be, but one day, one day, the heavens will open, the Spirit will come, and you, listen, listen, listen to me. You won't have to shout to believe God's here. He will descend, and you will bite the dust. He will come down with the weight of His glory and fill this place with light. And the ministry of angels will come into this room and you will crumble beneath the awesomeness of God and you will say, He is real. He's real indeed. And you will give Him everything. Beloved, that's coming. And you will be part of a generation that will be a sign and a wonder before all the nations of the earth that Jesus is real And he's alive. And he's not only alive, he's coming back. Beloved, you won't have to shout on that day when the Spirit will give witness to your spirit who Jesus is. We don't know when that's going to happen. It might happen tonight. might happen tomorrow. But, beloved, we know this. It will happen because God is not a man that he should lie. He always brings forth his word. He's always faithful. It always accomplishes what He sends it out. And so tonight, we're going to stand together, whether it happens tonight or whether it happens another night, we're going to stand here and we're going to ask God to fulfill His appointed purpose for this land and this building. Will you do that with me tonight? So let's just raise our hands to the Lord. Father, we thank You for Your Word. We thank you that you prophesied, you declared that out of this building, you would bring forth a youth revival that would be filled with the Holy Spirit and power, that a new sound would come out of this building, that an eruption of the grace of God would come to this land, to this building that would ignite a revival that would prepare the way for the coming of your son and for the salvation of Israel that an intercession movement a worship and prayer movement a prophetic movement would break forth from young people in this building that would touch the nations of the earth God tonight we join and we ask you for that appointed land this building to be given for your holy purposes God we ask you let it be tonight let it be tonight God If not tonight, we ask you to set into motion the events that would cause the dedication of this property where revival and meetings and miracles and prophesying and intercession would go forth day and night and gatherings, holy, solemn assemblies that would be holy unto the Lord would break out from this place. So tonight, Father, we wait on you. We say that you are good. Your purposes shall come to pass. And God, we ask you, do it in our generation. Do it with us. We're as weak as any other generation. We're as undeserving. But according to your loving kindness, grant us favor. Grant us mercy. Come to us tonight. Begin to open up heaven over this little room. Let the ministry of angels. Let healing come. In the midst of the worship, the preaching, let signs and wonders begin to break out and do something that the world is unworthy of. Raise up a fragrance, an offering of love unto Jesus, Father, that the nations would know that He is the Lord, that He alone is God, and He alone is worthy. Raise up vessels, forerunners, to prepare the earth. For the Lord's return. Do it in this place. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You can have a seat. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 11. What a glorious time to be alive. I mean, none of you have got to choose which generation you would be born into. You didn't get to choose it. You could have been born in the dark ages and right now we could have had relics set up on this stage and you could have come up and you could have paid homage and put some money in and then left. And it would cut off a few more years from purgatory. That could have been you. But God in His good pleasure, has given birth to you in this age. We didn't deserve it. We didn't do anything to gain it. But God, in His good pleasure, has set us apart for such a time as this. For such a time as this. What a glorious time to be alive. And all across the earth right now, the Holy Spirit is orchestrating... A move of His Spirit to prepare the church for the coming of the Son. You've heard that over and over. That God is going to change the expression and understanding of Christianity in the entire earth in one generation. That God, before the coming of Jesus, is going to bring about a great movement in the body of Christ to prepare, to give a witness unto Jesus, to make known who God is and what he's about to do the lord is preparing the earth for such a thing as this and it's important for us in this hour to cooperate with the spirit's work so we know how to posture our hearts and and invest in those things which god is investing it's important that we hear the word of the lord that we take this word and we begin to apply it in specific ways that cooperate with the specific work of the Holy Spirit in that generation. Now we know from the Word of God that the church is described in glorious terms at the coming of the Lord Jesus. How many of you understand what the apostolic prayers are? They're the prayers that the apostles prayed. They're the prayers that God has co-signed. They're the prayers that made it in the Scripture And that whatever was asked and made in this canon, in this scripture, God is going to answer. And we lift them up before the Lord. And many of the apostolic prayers give us hints at the glory that the church is going to walk in before Jesus returns. With such phrases as in Philippians 1.9. That God is going to make the church abound in love. That we're going to bear the fruits of righteousness. That we're going to have discernment to know the ways of love. To cooperate with the spirit of love. That will be blameless and preserved holy and righteous at His coming. We have such prayers that tell us in 1 Corinthians 1, 4 and following. It tells us that the church will be enriched in all utterance. will have prophetic knowledge. will prophesy and the nations will hear. It goes on to say that the church... Will not lack in any spiritual gift. Can you imagine that? The workings of miracles, the discerning of spirits, the gifts, plural, of healings, that all of these things will operate in the church before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. That the church will walk in holiness that our hearts will increase and abound in righteousness. Beloved, these aren't just prayers. These are promises that God is going to fulfill in what I believe is your generation. Now, it's hard for you to imagine that. But, beloved, that's the glory of it. In one generation, God is going to display before all the nations of the earth that He alone is God. It says in Zephaniah... That He will reduce the gods of this earth to nothing. He will reduce them to nothing. And He will do it before the witness of a people prepared. Glorious. In fact, He's going to make us without mixture. So that we would have the Spirit without measure. Do you know what that means? That God by His Spirit is going to take weak us. The weak church among the nations. And like the day of Pentecost, when they were waiting in the upper room, the Spirit will suddenly come upon all the nations of the earth simultaneously. And at that point, when the Spirit breaks out, the church worldwide will raise up and awaken out of her dust. She will come forth like a glorious new man. Oh, beloved, and on that day, the nations will witness that God is real. And in that day, they shall prophesy, says God. They shall dream dreams. They shall see visions, signs, and wonders. Even the heavens will be affected. Even the stars will be shaken. The nations of the earth will be shaken. But here's the good news. In the hour of that glorious witness, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be what? saved. Beloved, if you want to know what your life's about, I just told you. If you're wondering, you're in your 20s, and you want to know what your calling is, it's to cooperate with that mission statement I just gave you. That's what God has put in your heart. In fact, if I would have said this 30 years ago, um, I would have been really young, and it would have been really simple. I would have been 7 years old, But beloved, at that point, if I would have said this, or someone else, let's say Mike would have said this, and he would have been much older than seven, and he would have brought forth the Word, of which he did, probably in that day. He brought forth the Word. Guess what? It would have been harder to receive. But today, the very fact that I say it, and right away, the witness of the Spirit in your heart goes, Yes! Yes, that's exactly it. This is what I was made for. Beloved, that's a sign in itself that this is the hour in which God is preparing you for the coming of His Son. Beloved, you should take great joy in that. I want you to turn to Matthew 11. Because in Matthew 11, God gives us a picture of John the Baptist. And in that, God is going to reveal to us those things which are to be highlighted by the Holy Spirit that just as God highlighted them in the life in the vessel of John the Baptist, so too shall He highlight these very things in the life of the generation in which the Lord returns. These very things God is going to bring to light and emphasize. They won't be the only themes. But, beloved, they will be primary themes that the Holy Spirit will validate, bring forth in His church, and set our feet upon a rock and make our footsteps firm. And so if we can understand these things, it can cut down on a lot of traffic in our own lives of what we're to give ourselves to, of what we're to cooperate with. Because right now, beloved, we hear many sermons on methodology. But I want to tell you, It's not about methodology. Right now, it's the hour of vessels. God is looking for vessels. God is raising up vessels. And in Matthew 11, Jesus gives us insight into what type of vessels that God is going to raise up. Just as God raised up John the Baptist to prepare for the first coming of Jesus, so will God raise up messengers with the same Spirit of Elijah that will flow in the anointing and power of the Holy Spirit and walk in the ways just as John did to prepare the earth for His second coming. God will prepare for the second coming in very similar ways as He did for the first. And He did it through a vessel. So turn with me to Matthew 11 and let's look at it. It's a very unusual passage, starting in verse 2. Well, let's start in 1. It's so good. Just if you have your Bibles open up, nothing will replace you opening up that Bible and putting your eyes on that page. Now, it came to pass when Jesus finished commanding his 12 disciples that he departed from there to teach and to preach in their cities. And when John had heard in prison about the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said to him, this is to Jesus, are you the coming one or do we look for another? Jesus answered and said to them, go and tell John the things which you hear and see. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he who is not offended because of me. And as they departed, Jesus began to say to the multitudes concerning John, What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? But what did you go out to see? A man clothed in soft garments? Indeed, those who wear wear soft clothing are in kings' houses. But what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I say to you, and more than a prophet, for this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. Assuredly, I say to you, among those born of women, there is not risen one greater than John the Baptist, but he... Who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence. And the violent take it by force. As we look here, Jesus is going to give commentary on the life of the one who was appointed to prepare for his first coming. He's going to give commentary. Beloved, this is rare in Scripture that Jesus stops to give commentary on an individual in the New Testament, in the Gospels. But here we're going to see an unusual stopping of Jesus to give us insight on John the Baptist's life. Now, if you remember the context of this verse, John is in prison. John had been put in prison because he spoke up against Herod and Herod's illegal uh, marriage. So he's in prison and John is trying to get his disciples to quit clinging to him and to go to Jesus. I mean, can you imagine? John has preached over and over, Behold, the Lamb of God who take away the sins of the world. Behold, I waited for the one in whom the Spirit would rest upon like a dove. And when I saw him, I then told His disciples, behold the Lamb of God. This is He who the prophets told us. This is the Messiah, the King of Israel, who will bring salvation to the ends of the earth and grant a season of amnesty and forgiveness that all who would call upon His name would be saved. So John told this message over and over. In fact, the Apostle John and Andrew got it. As soon as they heard John give that message, they went, Okay, we got it. We're following him. John, thank you for your discipleship training. We're going with the Messiah. Is that okay? They left and went. And as a matter of fact, we know from John chapter 3 that his other disciples didn't. Because in John chapter 3, a dispute arose among John's disciples that all the people were leaving their ministry of baptism and going to Jesus' ministry. And so a great dispute arose. And do you remember what John said? He said, A man can only receive what's been given him from heaven. The bride is the bridegroom's. I'm only a friend of the bridegroom. Jesus is the bridegroom. The bride's his. Oh, and the friend stands and hears and rejoices in the bridegroom's voice. He says to him, Look, I must decrease. He must increase. And everyone who would believe in the Son shall have eternal life. In other words, guys, quit fighting. Go to Him. I am not the Christ. I am only a witness to the Christ. I am only a light to shine to the Christ. I give witness, but He is the one who has eternal life. In other words, leave me alone, people. Please, get away from me. I appreciate your following. I taught you all that I could, but please get away from me. Why? Because He is God in the flesh. Go to Him. It's my joy. And yet we find in Matthew 11, John is then put in prison and John's disciples have not gone to Jesus yet. And so John does something. He works out a plan. If I can just send them to Jesus and give them a question to ask Him, they'll be convinced. So look what he does. He sends them and he says, here's what you're to do. You're to go and ask Him, are you the coming one or do we look for another? And here's what Jesus does. I mean, this is a great answer. How would you like this answer? Are you the one? Jesus stops. And says, Well, behold, pause, just take a moment. So as they wait, Jesus heals the lame in front of their eyes. He heals the blind. He then raises the dead. He cleanses the lepers and preaches the gospel to the poor. And then he goes, What do you think? How about that? How do you like those apples? The blind see, the lame walk, the mute tongue shouts for joy, the deaf hear, and the dead are raised, and the lepers are cleansed. How do you like that? What do you think? And then he makes this statement. But blessed are those who aren't offended because of me. He says to him, he says, beware of the propensity of your heart that in the hour you not be able to hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches and the propensity of your heart to follow your own inclinations for ambition and not receive me. He's appealing to them in great kindness. He's going, don't be offended at me. Don't be offended. Don't be offended. I haven't left you out. Come and join me. Jesus is utter kindness. But here's what's important for us tonight. Look at this. When they leave, Jesus gives commentary on John's life in such an unusual way Because Jesus is not just interested in John, He's interested in telling a generation to come what was unique about John that prepared for the coming of the Lord the first time so that another generation could give themselves wholly to the same things to prepare for the coming of the Lord the second time. Beloved, what he's about to say is crucial for your generation to understand and for all the nations of the earth out there to understand right now. As a matter of fact, I'm going to pray that God will give you ears to hear right now. It's very crucial. All of you who's watching on TV, it's crucial you hear what the Spirit is about to say. Concerning John's life and concerning your life. Father, I ask in the name of Jesus for you to open up the ears of hearers. Give us ears to hear and eyes to see. Open up your word in an unusual way that we might not be offended at what you're like. That we might not be given to the inclinations of our own heart, but we might cooperate with what the Spirit is doing in the church. Father, right now, send the spirit of revelation. Strike our hearts and prepare vessels of honor in Jesus' name. Now let's look at it. They depart, and Jesus began to say to the multitudes concerning John. Now this is amazing. This is a place where Jesus is going to give unique insight. Now, now, what you have to understand, this isn't sentimentality. This isn't Jesus saying, My he knows his cousin is about to die. John is about to be executed. He knows that. But it's not sentimentality. He's giving an interpretation of John's life for a generation that's coming. As John prepared the way of the Lord. Thus, John is a prefiguring of a generation that's coming that will prepare the way of the Lord. And many of you right now, right now in this place, you are disturbed and discombobulated about why God made you, what you're called for, and God is shouting to you, cooperate with these things. In fact, many of you in the room have been called to this very calling To help prepare the earth for the coming of Jesus. But you haven't been told it. You didn't know why. And suddenly your life will make sense. As we talk about these four realities. That the Holy Spirit is going to emphasize. And even now is beginning to emphasize. Jesus is going to interpret John's life. And it's going to instruct us. You see, John was a consecrated vessel to prepare the Lord for His first coming. And Jesus begins the commentary with this. Now this is an important question. He's going to emphasize it several times. You must understand why He's doing this. He says, What did you go out into the wilderness to see? He's speaking of John and He's looking at the crowd and He says, What moved you to go out into the wilderness to see John in other words what was it that moved you to take note of John what was it about John that made the whole region for you had to understand that John the Baptist his ministry some believe was as short as 6 months some believe as much as as 18 months to two years, but in that short little window, the whole region rejoiced in his light. He didn't go to Judea, he didn't go, what I mean is, he didn't go into Jerusalem, he didn't prophesy on the streets and raise his voice there. He stayed in the wilderness, and as a matter of fact, it says, Into the hour of his manifestation, some 30 years, he remained in the desert. And from the desert, he launched his ministry and began to prophesy in the desert. Beloved, that's not, that's not the usual marketing strategy that we employ today. I mean, John makes it especially difficult. He goes in the desert and stays there so that no one knows him. And then when the word of the Lord comes to him, he prophesies from the desert. You'd expect him to get the Spirit and then walk to some big city. Put a few posters up, rally the troops, gather them, then release the word of the Lord. John goes, no, from the desert he launches out. And Jesus says, what were you looking for when you came out to John? What was it about his life that made a whole region travel from the luxury of their city into the wilderness and desert to hear something? What was it about his life? What was it about this vessel that made the whole nation shift and begin to hear the word of the Lord? What was it that made prostitutes and tax collectors go and search him out? Beloved, that's a key question. If you answer that question right, you'll be able to cooperate with what what God wants to do in us. What type of vessel is necessary to gain the attention of the whole world? You see, beloved, God is going to change the understanding of Christianity in the entire earth in one generation. What we mean by that is the way unbelievers perceive us. The way they perceive us right now, their perception of us is very low. But, beloved, Jesus points out about John... There was something about that vessel that gained the attention of the masses. What did you go out to see? What was it about his life that caused the curiosity of the whole world to take note and stand up in attention and say, Have you heard John? What do you mean? Have you heard John? What do you mean, John? The guy in the desert. The whole world's going out to him. Have you heard John? And Jesus is pointing out what type of vessel will grab the attention of the nations at the end of the age. But Here's why that's important. Right now, out of 6 billion people on the earth, 5 billion have not named the name of Jesus. Beloved, 5 billion people are not prepared for His coming. You see, when Jesus came first, the first time... He came to forgive sins. He showed the greatness of God's love and died on a cross that He might die for our sins that we could live forever with God. The first time Jesus came to forgive sins and to show us the greatness of God's love, beloved, the second time He comes, He comes like a lion. He comes with the strength of Almighty God To remove all wickedness and evil from the whole world. And beloved, that's good news. Why? Do you want to live in this state forever? Do you have a vision of a world that's filled with such iniquity forever? No! Jesus will come again. And He will establish a government and righteousness and justice. And the increase of His government will know no end. Beloved, when He comes the second time... It's to deliver the world from the bondage of wickedness. And on that day, He will separate the righteous from the unrighteous. The righteous will receive everlasting life. But I tell you, woe to the wicked, for they shall perish. Beloved, five billion people are not ready for what is coming. And God loves them so dearly that God, even for Nineveh, sent Jonah. Even for the Ninevites, who would then rise up and crush northern Israel, God even loved His enemies enough to send a prophet to tell them the way of the Lord so they could repent. How do you think He feels for five billion souls on planet earth right now? How do you think He feels for a billion souls in India? For a billion souls in China? For a billion souls across the continent of Africa? For 250 to 300 million in America? Beloved, Jesus wants them warned. Why? So they can receive His love and not scorn it. So that the ones He made in their mother's womb can come to a saving knowledge of Him. So God, in His great kindness, is going to pour out His Spirit on a generation, on a church, to give a true witness concerning what He's like and what He's about to do. Why? So that all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. This is what's happening right now. God is looking for vessels like John now I want to run through these four characteristics they're crucial the first one we see it here jesus said what did you go out to into the wilderness to see luke chapter 1 verse 80 tells us that john grew up and remained in the desert until the day of his manifestation john coming from a priestly family, the first thing that his life was typified by was a place of intercession and priestly ministry. That John, imagine this, for 30 years, John in the desert does one thing. God. God. No distractions. No ministry ambition. Just one thing. Gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. Know your God. I can almost hear... John's mother saying, John, remember the calling. Remember, you're going to be the prophet of the Most High. John, remember, you're going to give light to your people. You're going to tell them the way of salvation. You're going to announce the forgiveness of sins. John, remember, you must get to know your God. John, don't get anxious. Young man, I can just hear him. In those days in the desert, as he's praying, as he's learning to hear, as he's worshiping the Lord, as he stands before him, I can almost hear John's mother going, John, don't get anxious. Or I might hear John go, Mom, how do you know when when you have God's word? How do you know when I'll be ready? How do you know? And I can almost hear his mom go, You'll know. <laughs> Trust me, you will know right now one thing's needed. Stand before your God. You see, Jesus said that John came in the spirit of Elijah. Do you know in in 1 Kings 17, the very first thing that is said about Elijah when he describes himself? He comes out of the blue and he prophesies a drought to Ahab. But you know what the first thing he says? He describes himself as one who stands before the Lord. One who ministers before God as a priest before Him. Beloved, right now, all across the earth, this is the heart of God to prepare vessels. Hear me. He's raising up intercession. He's raising up a worldwide movement of worship and intercession as a seedbed, as a preparation for the knowledge of God to be released in vessels so that they can proclaim the Word of the Lord when it comes. Right now, God is moving upon the church in a primary way to convince us that God is as glorious as He says He is. Beloved, did you know what? You're the only creature in heaven and earth that gets to ask God for things. You're the only one. No angels get to walk up and ask God for anything. In fact, we know that Satan asked Him a few times and he said no. He tried. But you, right now, no matter how insignificant you may feel your life is, or I feel mine is, right now, I can close my eyes and I stand before the courts of the Almighty and I ask Him for things. God, for India, loose your light upon India. God, Africa needs you, God. Release the glory of the Lord in Africa. I lift up little weak words like this. Help. Help. Oh, God. Help. And you know what? The Holy Spirit takes that weak little prayer, escorts it before the King of glory. The King of glory hears it and He releases angels to do what we asked. Beloved, that's your heritage. And right now, all across the earth, God is raising up the key of David. He's raising up the understanding of intercession that God governs in the place of prayer and worship as we stand before Him and we go, You are the Lord. You're glorious. And then we ask Him for things. Oh, You're glorious. The earth is the Lord's, the fullness thereof and all the inhabitants that dwell therein. Now open up, ye gates. Be lifted up, you ancient doors. Let China... Have a door open for the gospel. Let the Middle East right now. Pakistan. Lord, release it for Iraq and Iran. Right now, God. Saudi Arabia, break in with your power. And God releases angels to do the bidding of the saints. Beloved, do you know this? You're at the top of the food chain in the kingdom of God. Do you understand that? Do you understand that no other creature gets to ask God for things. And here's the wisdom of God's rulership. Because He's designed that we rule through intercession, we ask Him for things and He gives the answers. Two things happen. Number one, as we talk to Him, we fall in love with Him. Isn't that wise? Actually, three things. That's one thing. There's there's lots of things, but I'm just going to give you three. The first one's this. That as we talk to Him, we fall in love with Him. And number two, as He answers us, we learn to trust Him and are fascinated with a God who answers prayer. And number three, all of us can do it. How many of you know right now, you wish God would release you in your ministry right now? You're in your 20s or 30s. But you know what? God is going to give you a history and intercession for many years and maybe even wait in your older years till your body begins to break down so you quit leaning on your own strength and actually believe that through weak words, He governs the universe. Beloved, do you know how many revivals started were started by two widows praying? You know Why? They actually believed they had nothing else to offer Him but weak heart cries. If right now, just think at the age of 18, 16, 20, 30, you got a revelation that the best thing you could do is exalt Him and then ask Him for things out of His Word. Imagine if you gave Him the best years of your strength to come before Him and tell Him, how beautiful He is, how holy He is, how awesome He is. And in the midst of that, oh, by the way, God, because You're so loving, transform Uganda. Touch Rwanda. Deliver Sudan. Beloved, if You did that in Your strongest years, imagine 10, 20, 30, 40 years in, you would whisper to the king, Jesus, I've known you these many years. You are glorious. Move. Deliver. Heal. And God, out of friendship, would release a tidal wave of revival in your city. Imagine that. Right now, you're wondering, what am I going to do this year? Beloved, what are you going to do in 20 years if you give yourself to prayer and worship and throw a little fasting in there, and get a history with God so that you know Him. And you ask Him one little phrase. Right now, the body of Christ is looking for puzzle pieces. If we get the right combination, a door will open. Beloved, let me tell you, if you want to change policy, have the wife of the king whisper in his ear as his head's laying on the pillow. No, I'm serious. If you want to change policy... Have his wife come in and whisper in his ear, Honey, I, I, I don't understand all the intricacies of foreign policy. But you know, it just seems nice to me that you would release aid to this nation. Honey, really, honey? Really? That touched your heart? Yeah. The next day, legislation is put into, put into place. What the wife whispers on the pillow, the king does the next day. How many of you know that? And beloved, if you would give yourself in friendship to God to build a history in ministering before Him, calling on His name, if you just gave it time, 20 years in, Jesus, Jesus, I love you. I adore you. You're the King of glory. Kansas City is in need of thee. Break in with your power. Set us free from the addictions of our flesh. And, and help us God. Boom. He would break in. Beloved. We've got to get a vision for that. And right now all over the earth. God is raising up houses of prayer. To restore the foundation of our hearts. To fall in love with God again. And become friends with our king. All across the earth he's doing it. Second thing. He says to him, what did you go out into the wilderness to see? And then he asks another question. A reed shaken by the wind? He says, did you go out to see a man who would be moved by public opinion? Did you go out to see a weak-willed man that would cave in to the pressures of this age? Is that what kind of vessel? No! In other words, John not only interceded and worshipped before the Lord, He was holy. He was set apart for God and God alone. He would serve no other master. It says of John that he would be set apart as holy from the womb. Did you know it says about John that the angel said he would never put alcohol to his lips? Said that he would be consecrated holy unto the Lord all his days. And in the wilderness, God removed all the props, all the other fleeting pleasures, all the good things. Why? Because John had a special privilege. It was this. He was set apart to taste of the superior pleasures of being clean and holy before God. Clean, holy, undefiled. His spirit unmoved by the traffic of the spirit of this age. That God took him to the wilderness to remove these secondary pleasures. Did you know something? The enemy of the best is the good. And many of us right now in this nation, and the nations of the earth, we have so many options for pleasures, but God is about to raise up a generation who've tasted the superior pleasure of loving God. Let me tell you something. Right now, a great reformation is happening in the body of Christ as big, if not bigger, than 1520 in Martin Luther. You know what it is? We're discovering God again We're discovering Him He's actually real He's actually pleasurable And He's actually worth everything we have Let me tell you something If you get it clear in your mind now The only good thing about Christianity Is God He's the only good thing You remove God out of Christianity It's no good But I tell you You put Him in the equation, beloved And it's the best thing that's going God God, we're discovering God, and we're discovering His ways are pleasing. You know, I heard this statement, it's costly to serve God. It's costly. It's costly. You'll have to lay down things. You'll have to give up things. It's costly. Beloved, I want to say this clearly to you. It's not nearly as costly. It's not nearly as costly as serving the slave master of your flesh and the cravings of your own sinfulness. Beloved, you know, I want me to tell you what's costly. Demons. Demons are costly. A shriveled up, weighed down, depressed spirit is costly. That's costly. Did you know why God is calling your generation to purity right now? It's not because he was mean, religious, harsh. He just wants to hem you in. You know, God just won't let us have any fun. He's just like that. This God, He just reduces all the options. You know, I like options. I like choice. Just a lot of things. No, it's not like that. God formed you and made you in His image, and He knows exactly what makes your heart work right. And You want me to tell you what joy is? Joy is when you go to bed at night with your conscience clean before God. You want me to tell you what joy is like? Joy is when God is dwelling in your inner man and you don't have to doubt that He loves you. Joy is when you haven't stumbled over a thousand sins that will have consequences for the next ten years. I'm going to tell you that's joy. Joy is when you can cry out to the Lord free in your inner man. When no one can buy you, no craving can own you, no boyfriend, no girlfriend can hold you down, you are free before God and God alone. Set apart for Him. That's joy. Do you know what? Do you know what the first thing that was said about John the Baptist by the angel? The angel said this to Zacharias, his father. He said, this child that's going to be born is going to give you great joy and gladness. You might ask, why? Because He's going to be holy. The author of all pleasure is going to set Him apart and He's going to work right. Beloved, how many of you want to work right? Right now, the challenge is going out. The cry of God. He's saying to you, don't give yourself to the fleeting pleasures of sexual immorality. Some of you, He's speaking to you now, just like He spoke to me and said, Never let alcohol touch your lips again. Some of you, he's beginning to win you over and saying, you know what? You work so much better and your heart is so much freer when you lay down bitterness and unforgiveness. When you give way to joy. Did you know what it said about John the Baptist? That the whole nation rejoiced in his light. It said, even of his enemy, King Herod listened to him gladly beloved, right now all across the earth, a prayer and worship movement is starting where incense is going up and we're learning this truth. God is as pleasing as pleasing as pleasing as pleasing pleasing and pleasing as it gets. We were made for Him and when we give ourselves to Him and when we walk in His ways and we let His joyous Heart, him us in. There's nothing better. I want to tell you, I'm 37, going on 38, and I want to tell you this the ways of the Lord, the ways of the Lord are glorious. Beloved, I have a beautiful wife, I have three wonderful sons, and I wouldn't trade the ways of the Lord. For anything. You want to know why? Because He's anointed me with the oil of joy above all my companions. He's given me joy in the inward place. A clean conscience. Oh, to fall in love with God. Uh, Right now, many of you in this room, in the weakness of your frame, the biggest heart cry in you is this. I want to please you, God. I want to know you. I want to please you. You'll shout your lungs out to try to please God. You will dance all night to try to please God. Do you know what? He's beckoned you into some other wonderful things too. You know what it is? Truthfulness. Faithfulness. Humility. Meekness. Chastity. Purity. Right now, many of you around this room, right now, you've come to this. And you, the thought in your heart, the greatest desire is for you to walk in purity before God. And right now, you're thinking, what will my girlfriend think? What will my boyfriend think? What will she think? What will he think? You've tripped up. You've stumbled. But I want to tell you something. God is speaking to your heart tonight to tell you this. I will forgive you. I will cleanse you. I will make you purer than you were before. I will make you chaste. I will make you clean. I will give you grace to walk out what you need to walk out. Some of you, God's going to invite you to walk away from ungodly relationships. Ungodly relationships that you've been crying out for. God, help me. I don't want to do this. God is going to release grace to you tonight to say no. Tonight, God, by the Holy Spirit, is going to consecrate you for Him and Him alone. Beloved, that's what's happening at this conference. He's setting apart a generation for intercession, for holiness. Jesus will go on and describe John as those who, as him who gave himself in a sacrificial way, in an offering to the poor. And then he's going to describe him this last thing. Look at it with me, and this is where we close as we wrap it up. He closes, he says, But what did you go out to see? A man clothed in soft garments? In other words, did you go out to see a man who would use his influence for personal gain? No! John was a man of great sacrifice. And right now, God's calling this generation to great sacrifice. And then the last thing he says is this. What did you go out to see? And look what he says. A prophet. A prophet. More than a prophet. I tell you, he's the one who will prepare the way of the Lord. He is the greatest man ever born of a woman. Now listen to me. Here's what you need to understand. All across the earth, God is raising up intercession, holiness, offering of our hearts in a simplified life for the kingdom's sake and the prophetic. You need to understand that out of Houses out of places of prayer, a worship, and prayer movement that will escort in the pleasures of loving God and holiness and sacrificial lifestyles given to Him. Out of that context, God is about to release the spirit of prophecy in a way you have never seen. But God is laying a foundation. And many of you in this room and many of you watching tonight on TV, you're called as messengers just like John was called. Ten years ago in this very room, I answered a call that Mike gave to be a forerunner and a prophetic messenger. Halfway during the message, I walked down from up there and I sat on that floor right there and waited for the altar call. Come get me, Lord. Many of you in this room, you know that God has spoken, that God is raising up messengers to speak forth in the hour before His coming the word of the Lord. To prepare the earth for His coming. you Many of you in this room know that you're called to intercession. You know that you're to give your life for God to establish that place of priestly ministry. Whereby we love Him and adore Him. And we ask Him to shift things on the earth. Many of you in this room are committed right now. God, by the Spirit, is working in your life to make you an example of purity and righteousness. To shine as a bright light in a wicked and perverse generation. Many of you in this room, He's going to anoint with His Spirit. I want you Now, I'll say it this way. Many of you in this room are called to be vessels who actually are proclaimers through writing, through singing, through preaching, through Bible studies. Many of you are going to do that in a direct way and lead the body of Christ as a whole in these four areas. If tonight, You know that speaking of you, I want you to stand. You know that you're called at the end of the age as a forerunner, a messenger, to prepare the earth for the coming of the Lord Jesus. I want you to stand. Beloved, look around. You're not alone. You're not alone. God is doing this all over the earth. And right now we're going to ask for the fire of the Holy Spirit to come consecrate us. Just hold your hands out before you. Jesus said to the disciples at the Mount of Transfiguration, they asked Him, they said, we thought Elijah was to come first. And Jesus says this, Elijah is coming and will restore all things. In other words, then He goes on to say, and if you can take it, John the Baptist operated in that spirit of Elijah. But he said this, that same spirit is coming again. That same spirit is going to rest on a generation. Messengers are going to come forth, Bold in the things of righteousness. Have a glad, joyous spirit. Radiant righteousness. They say yes to God because He's loved them so much. They can't think of anything they would want to do to displease Him. Madly in love with him, given to him, filled with the knowledge of God, filled with the love of God. They live out a simplified life, offering it unto the Lord. And in that hour, we don't know the day that's coming, but lovely, I want to tell you there's a day coming when the heavens will open, a sound will break in, and God will release his word like he did on John. And on that day, vessels will be prepared. And the church will give the good witness. Let's just ask the Lord. Right now, all across, all across TV, right now, as you're listening, even now, the spirit of burning, that enabling fire of the Holy Spirit is touching your spirit. You know that you're called as a messenger. You know that you're called to do and give your life to these four things. You'll give your life to many other things. But these four, intercession and worship, holiness offerings unto the Lord and the spirit of prophecy you know that's what you're called to right now just lift your hands up before the Lord he's going to begin to set you apart he's going to set you apart beloved many of you tonight strongholds of fornication and immorality tonight we leave them right here at this altar tonight we walk in purity tonight we receive the power of the Holy Spirit Beloved, you were called for such a time as this. Don't squander it on little fleeting pleasures that will weigh your heart down. Give yourself to God. Your boyfriend will understand. He'll give grace to your girlfriend. You do what you need to do tonight. Tonight, a new beginning. Tonight, hope. Tonight, we push delete on the past and say yes to Jesus wholeheartedly. So come Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, release your fire in the name of Jesus. Release your fire in Jesus' name. I ask you to consecrate vessels tonight. Consecrate vessels. Consecrate vessels. Raise up forerunners in the name of Jesus. Now come, Holy Spirit, touch us. We're going to wait before Him. We're going to wait for the Lord to begin to move among us. With His empowering, fiery presence. Just begin to deal with the Lord. Ask Him. Say, set me apart for you and you alone, Jesus. Set me apart, God. I'm weak. My flesh is weak. But you are strong. I want you and all of you. Many of you, your passion's burned out. It's time tonight to give yourself. Jesus, come. 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 Come, Holy Spirit. Set apart a generation. In Jesus' name.